Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy 2.15 and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton. And welcome back uh, today. And um, I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm your host, David Reed. And we're going to uh, be back in Ephesians today. We have some a couple questions uh, that we'll also go over. Um, so let's go ahead. We'll go and start um, by opening in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in, our, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you um, for this opportunity that we have to connect to the world. And we thank you um, for all your many blessings. We pray um, uh, as your Holy Spirit works through your word today that it's not our words, it is your words, um, that those who need to hear can hear um, the um, awesomeness of your gift of grace, um, that they will accept it for their lives and then spread that to everyone around them as well. And we thank you for everything you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And um, I think this week we'll start with uh, Pam. Did you have some um, stats from we do. TV shows? Yes, we do. Um, our on-demand listeners and live listeners have dropped um, a little bit, but I think there's a lot going on with uh, a lot of activity starting up at the end of April and May, especially mm-hmm. with sports and and uh, graduations and everything else that's ending the school year. People being um, able to get back out. Yes. Doing things. Yeah, weather. Is, that's a blessing. It is. Mm-hmm. So we have on-demand um, listeners is 442, and our live is 117. We also have some new listeners in um, Ecuador, which we have 12. Um, Germany, we had two in Canada. And we have some countries that um, are listening to the gospel um, that may not be allowed to in a public arena. Mm -hmm. So I won't name those, but we want to pray for them on a constant um, way with uh, there's a live persecution going on all over the world and in every country Mm -hmm. um, because the devil doesn't want anyone to hear the gospel of salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how to get that free gift. Yes. We do have some questions that came in. Do you want me to go ahead with those? And we'll start with questions tonight. Okay. Um, The first question is, when are the old Testament saints released from Abraham's bosom? Let's look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. So if you would go ahead and turn there with me. Um, While you're doing that, I'll just make this comment. When you read Luke 16, Luke 16 has the account of the rich man and Lazarus. And when Lazarus dies, he goes to Abraham's bosom. So if you're wondering, what's this Abraham's bosom thing? Um, what it is, is in, in time past in the Old Testament, when an Old Testament saint died, what happened is they went into the earth 
They didn't go to uh, hell as a place of punishment. What they did is they went to a place called paradise. It's also called Abraham's bosom. And so what the questioner is asking is, well, when did they get out of Abraham's bosom? Um, Of course, they didn't get out of Abraham's bosom at the cross. We looked at that last week. So if we turn to Revelation 20, verse 4, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. What you're seeing in Revelation 20 verse 4 is what scripture calls the first resurrection, and that occurs after the Lord Jesus Christ's second coming. So at this, you know, and let me just put this in order so everyone understands it. The next event that happens for the the church of today, the body of Christ, is we are caught up at the rapture. Then the prophetic calendar will resume, and the Daniel 70th week will occur. That's followed by the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. And at the second coming, he will then establish his millennial kingdom. Well, Revelation 20, verse 4 just told us the answer. When the Lord returns at the second coming, that's when the Old Testament saints are released from Abraham's bosom because they're resurrected into bodies and they live on the earth at that point. So the answer to the question, when do Old Testament saints get out of Abraham's bosom? It's right after the second coming at the start of the Lord Jesus Christ's millennial kingdom. Thank you. Okay. Um, Our second one was um, from Cheryl Sterlis. Says, hi, David. I have a question. I'm a bit confused as to why the Lord in his early ministry would say the kingdom of heaven when he was talking to Israel, who will inherit the earthly kingdom and the body of Christ in heaven. I guess I guess this would be a question I would need to answer um, with some scripture. So. Let me just restate the question just to make sure everyone um, has heard it. So the Lord, during his earthly ministry, particularly in in the book of Matthew, talks about the kingdom of heaven. Now, what's funny about that a little bit is, well, what did God promise to Abraham? He promised to him the land. He promised to him the land of Canaan. And he, and he told him that he and his seed would dwell there forever. God promises the body of Christ that we have a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So you see the questioner's point. It's a really interesting one. The body of Christ is promised a heavenly inheritance. Israel is promised an earthly inheritance. So why in the book of Matthew would the Lord Jesus Christ be telling Israel about the kingdom of heaven? Shouldn't he be telling them about the kingdom of earth? So interesting question. The, the best way to answer that is to look at Matthew 6, verse 9. Matthew 6, verse 9. Now, in Matthew 6, 9, we're going to see the start of the, the Lord's Prayer, which is probably the most famous prayer there is in, in all of Christendom. And many folks will pray this prayer today. But when you look at it, it's really not a prayer that is meant for the body of Christ. So let's read it together. Matthew 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, 
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So obviously the Lord was teaching them to pray to their Father in heaven. And then notice what verse 10 says. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What Israel was looking for is they were not looking for the rapture. They weren't looking for being caught up to the, to the clouds and into the skies. That's not what they were looking for. They knew that they had an earthly kingdom. So what they were looking for is they were looking for God's kingdom to come to this earth. Now, if you put verses 9 and 10 together, so notice what it says. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. So they're looking for the kingdom that comes from heaven. It's the Father's kingdom. Where's the Father? He's in heaven. So when the Gospel of Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven, it's not talking about a kingdom that will exist forever in heaven. It's talking about the kingdom that was in heaven that will come to earth at the time of the second coming and be established. And so that's why the term kingdom of heaven is used. Now, of course, the body of Christ. So in the, in the time period in which we live today, we live during the dispensation of grace. And during the dispensation of grace, we're not looking to dwell on this earth forever. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So we're looking to be caught up at the rapture and then to uh, be in the heavens. Very good. And thank you for those questions. Okay, and so now we're going to go back to our Ephesians. Uh, we ended last time uh, with 420. Uh, Pam, do you have a refresher for us? I do. I'm going to read um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 20. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 20. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their own mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of Christ, life of God through the ignorance this is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work the uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. So this is a good place to start. When you look at verses 17, 18, and 19, it talks about how Gentiles walk, and it talks about the understanding being darkened. It talks about being alienated from the life of God, their past feeling, and they give themselves over unto lasciviousness. In other words, their, their lives, their spiritual, their moral, their, their lives are just a total wreck. And notice what Ephesians 4.20 says, but ye have not so learned Christ. So one of the things that scripture teaches is that a believer's life should be different from mm-hmm. how they lived as a lost person. It's not that you're saved by works. That's not true. That would be false. But should your life be different? Yes, it should. Saved people should not walk like the rest of the world. That's the point of verse 20. If we could, let's look at verses 21 and 22 together. Okay. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as a truth in Jesus. Verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. 
So what verse 22 tells us is that we should put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul talks about the old man in three different verses, and he's not talking about someone that just simply has a bunch of years under their belt. That's not what he's saying. Look with me at Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, paying close attention to the verb tense is going to be very helpful in the passages we're looking at. It, it started out in, in Romans 6, 6, saying, knowing this, and then it says that our old man is crucified. In other words, the old man is crucified. He's already been put to death. That happened the moment we got saved. Colossians 3, verse 9 is the next verse that has the old man. Look at Colossians 3, 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So we learn two really important things about the old man. One is that he's already been crucified. And the second is that we've already put him off. In other words, we're already through with him. We're done with him. Now, the thing you might be wondering is, well, wait a minute. If the old man's already crucified and he's already been put off, then why does Ephesians 4.22 say that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man? Isn't the tense wrong? I mean, isn't that saying something different? Well, let's look at Ephesians 4.22 again very carefully. Ephesians 4.22 does not say put off the old man. It says that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. So the old man has been put off, but what we have to choose to do is to put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. So what does that mean? What is the former conversation? When we use the word conversation today, we mean a dialogue or a discussion. So if Michelle and Pam and Michael and I sit down and just talk for 15 minutes, you would think of that as a conversation. That's how we use the word today. Mm -hmm. But the word conversation uh, also has the meaning of manner of living. In other words, your conversation is your lifestyle. It's your manner of living. It's how you behave on a, on a consistent, regular basis. So with that understanding, now look at what the verse says. It doesn't say that you put off the old man. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. So here's the two things that are true. The old man has been put to death. He's been crucified. He's been put off. But does that mean that we're without sin? Well, no, it doesn't, right? Because do we sometimes live like we used to? And the answer is we do. And that's because even though the old man has been put off, we still have to make a daily decision to put off the old man concerning the former conversation. In other words, we don't have to walk according to the old man. We shouldn't, but we have to make the choice not to live that way. 
That's what it's talking about. That's very much like verse 20 where we started, where it says, but ye have not so learned Christ. In other words, we need to be different. We need to walk different, not to be saved, but because we are saved, our lives Mm -hmm. should look different. So that, that's the, the key thing to understand about the old man. Now, before we jump into uh, verse 23, I think the other thing I would just say about that is this. The, the fact that we should live holy lives, the fact that we should live righteously, that doesn't mean that that's what saves us. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved as a free gift the moment that we put our faith in Christ. Now, we should walk in good works, but it's not the good works that saves us. That's not how God has designed it. Now, when people talk about, or when they, you know, they think that good works will help contribute to their salvation, you realize that that's saying that what Christ did on the cross was insufficient, that it wasn't enough, and it was necessary for us to add something to it. And that's frankly just not possible. So I'll pause there, and uh, does anyone want to chime in before we go to break? Yeah, we, we need can, to um, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, we can. We're not controlled by the old nature, but we do have it. But it does influence us. Yes. So that's why we need to be aware of um, our conscience and the Holy Spirit that guides us through the Word, and that's why I like Ephesians so much and the rest of Paul's writing is because it's so practical. So many years ago, he wrote this, but the Holy Spirit, the God, has made it alive. So we are new men in Christ. It's not up to us to do the work, but Christ through us. And that's the difference. Mm -hmm. We can make up all our rules and regulations, but it has to be the Holy Spirit that guides and directs. Yes, absolutely. And thank you. um, Thank you for those comments. And we will be right back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to michael r mix at 14th street ministries.com now back to why paul all right welcome back and we are um in ephesians uh we're now at ephesians uh, four twenty three. We'll okay. go ahead and start with that. righty. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we're commanded here to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. So what exactly does that mean? Get with me Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So let's make sure we understand what verse two of Romans 12 is saying. We're not to be conformed. We're not to line up with the world. We're not to operate the way the world does. We're not to be conformed to it, but we're to be transformed. And then it tells us specifically how by the renewing of our mind. How is it that our lives are going to be different from just the typical lost person on the earth? Well, the answer is we, we can be transformed, but the only way that occurs is the renewing of our mind. Look at me at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed, notice, day by day. So the inward man being renewed is, is similar to what Romans 12, 2 is talking about, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now we know the frequency. How often do we need to be renewed? Day by day, apparently, according to 2 Corinthians four sixteen. Now look with me at Colossians 3, verse 10. Colossians 3, verse 10. And have put on the new man, now we, notice now this, the which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So we learned first, you know, that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we learned that it has to be done day by day. And now we learned the specific mechanism. The new man is renewed in knowledge, that's the fuel that the new man operates on the basis of. Here's why this matters. People sometimes have the idea that their spiritual life is really about emotion or feelings. And so they go by sensations or moods or emotions or experiences and, and all of those things. 
But the new man, what, what, what empowers him? What gives him strength? Well, Colossians 3.10 says mm-hmm. he's renewed in knowledge. Now, another verse that may make you think about is when you think of Acts 17, when it talks about the Bereans and how they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. What is it that they did? They searched the scriptures daily, daily whether mm-hmm. those things were so. So if you put all those verses together, what it's telling you is that the power source in your life is God's word. And so what we need to do on a daily basis is we need to search God's word and we need to study God's word because it's God's word that can renew our minds. Let me give you a really simple example. If, uh, if there were two people and one of them said, you know what I'm going to do for the next month? I'm going to eat only uh, vegetables and meats, and I won't eat anything that has sugar, and I won't eat processed food, and I won't eat Doritos, and uh, I'm just going to focus my diet on vegetables and meats. Okay, that's person one. Person two says, well, you know, I, that's doesn't, I don't like that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to focus my diet on Doritos, and occasionally I'll have some Cheetos, and I might have some potato chips and a few candy bars, and that's what I'm going to do. Well, do those different dietary choices create different results? Mm-hmm. The answer is, you know, they do, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing is true if we're talking about your mind. The easiest way to be conformed to this world is it doesn't take any effort. If you just go through life and you turn on the radio when you're in the car, you turn on the TV when you're at home, you visit the common websites that people visit, you, uh, you, know, you watch the TV shows they watch, guess what's going to happen? Your mind will be conformed mm-hmm. to the world because all of the information sources you took in were junk food, right? You didn't, you didn't eat mm-hmm. vegetables, you didn't eat n- nutritious foods, you ate junk. So if we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, what we need to do is we need to make the Word of God a constant source of input. We need to read it and study it and memorize it and so on. So you get the point. But what, mm-hmm. what we're just trying to encourage you about is the way your life will be changed is through God's Word. And you have to expose your mind and your soul to God's Word. That's the solution. It's not. There's no quick fix. There's no magic button to press. You just have to study and read God's word. Yeah, and that's that's um, good because when I was, you know, first, you know, going through that, and I'm thinking, um, kept coming to my mind, you know, renew your mind. So how do we do that? And then, you know, really putting, you know, renewing by your knowledge, um, you know, because even as little kids, um, you know, as I watch, you know, my grandkids, uh, when they learn something, we give them knowledge. And how they feel, you know, empowered, you know, they really do. They feel, you know, like, you know, big because, wow, I know that now. So, and I think if we, in, we put that with studying the scriptures um, and rightly dividing the word, how much, um, you know, knowledge, power that it give all of us. So, mm-hmm. kind of a thought there. Yeah. Uh, so, wh- so, Ephesians 4.24? Yep. Okay, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we need to be transformed. We need to be put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, and then we have to put on the new man. 
And what, what all these verses are telling us is simply this. Each believer chooses mm-hmm. moment by moment to walk after the conversation of the old man or the new man. So let me ask you a simple question. Can a saved person rob a bank? And the answer is, sure they can. Mm-hmm. can. Can a saved person think an evil thought? Yes. Can they say an unkind word? They can do all those things because they still have the capability to do that. But we shouldn't. What we should do is we should choose moment by moment. I'm not going to walk according to the old man. I'm going to walk according to the new man. That, that's what we need to be doing. So verse 25, please. Okay. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So the clearest cross-reference to Ephesians 4.25 is Colossians 3.9. Colossians 3.9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And so should we be lying? We shouldn't be. We should be speaking the truth in love is what scripture would have us to do. Verse 26, please. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Verse 26 is a fascinating verse. Be ye angry and sin not. So apparently, is it possible to be angry and not sin? Sure. It it seems Mm -hmm. that it is. Uh, Look with me at Mark 3, verse 5. This is probably the best proof verse of that concept. Matthew, excuse me, Mark, Mark 3, verse 5. And when he had looked round about on them with anger... And when you read Mark 3, the he there is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ had anger. It wasn't a sinful anger. It was a righteous anger. So what Ephesians 4.26, when it says, be ye angry and sin not, what it's saying is it's it's okay to have a righteous anger, but you, you, you shouldn't have an anger that is sinful. Now, what's fascinating about the second part of that verse It concludes with, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. What scripture is there telling us to do is, should we harbor bitterness and anger and wrath and resentment and just let it build up and fester and, you know, metastasize within us so we get grumpy and upset? No, The, the idea is what should you do with your wrath? You should let it go. In other words, you shouldn't hold on to it for long periods of time. Let me give you the example that I think is helpful. Do you know, and I'll ask it as a question this way, do you know of anyone who's mad at someone for something that's small, but they're still mad at them and they've been mad at them for mm-hmm. years? Yep. And, and mm-hmm. we all have a story about that, don't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's occurring is they're, they're nurturing that bitterness, right? They're, they're letting that anger continue and continue and continue when it's much, much better to let it go, to be done with it. Because by the way, guess what happens when you nurture that anger? You know who it harms the most? Yourself. You. It harms yourself, the, yourself the most, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The person you're angry at may not even know about it or they've forgotten about it and they're busy with other things, but you're the one that's harmed, which is why the healthiest thing to do when you've been wronged is to forgive it, to let it go. Mm-hmm. Let's look at verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. And the idea there is don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil an opportunity. 
if you look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 10, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. So Paul's talking there about forgiveness, obviously. Now, notice what he says in verse 11, which is actually part of the same sentence. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. What Paul's saying there is that being slow to forgive actually is an opportunity Mm -hmm. for Satan. It's an opportunity to create division and resentment and separation and alienation and all the all the problems we have in our relationships uh, are due often to the fact that we fail to exercise forgiveness. Let me um, let me say one more word of, about anger, and then we'll talk a little bit just about forgiveness. If you look at Proverbs twenty-two, verse twenty-four, Proverbs twenty-two, twenty-four, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man. Thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. So, what is that telling us? It tells us that anger can be contagious. It can be a learned behavior. If you're around someone who is an angry man or who is furious, what is the danger that you face? Well, you might learn his ways. You might emulate him. You might copy his behavioral patterns. And if you do that, it says you'll get a snare to thy soul. In other words, you're falling into a trap. So anger is one of those things that we need to be very, very careful about. Um, Oftentimes when we have anger, it's not righteous anger. It's a sinful anger. But even if it's a righteous anger, we shouldn't let the sun go down upon our wrath. We should forgive it and move on. So let me say now one thing about forgiveness before we go on to the to the next verse. Here's why forgiveness is so important in life. Let's say that your relationship with me is based upon me always meeting your expectations. So for example, if your relationship with me is as a pastor, uh, do, is every sermon I teach perfect? Do all of them contain no errors? Uh, Are all of them really high quality? Well, if that's your standard for me, what's going to happen? Well, sooner or later, you're going to be very disappointed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach something that uh, you don't agree with, or I'm going to teach something that is just wrong. And and by the way, if you you teach for any period of time, you know what happens? You realize you don't agree with yourself uh, because there's stuff I've said years ago that I now realize, wow, I shouldn't have said that because I, I was mistaken. And that's the nature of almost anything you do, right? Because if you grow in life, you realize, wow, I've done some dumb things in the past. So if your standard for me as a pastor is uh, every sermon of mine has to be perfect, well, you're going to be really disappointed with me. And if your standard for me as a friend is that I always have to say the right thing, well, guess what's going to happen? I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the reality of life. The way that you and I need to relate to one another is we need to have some grace with one another and we need to have the ability to forgive wrongs because if, if I wrong you and I, I, I teach a bad sermon or I say an unkind word or I forget your birthday or, you know, all the things I might do and probably have, 
if you can't forgive it, we'll never be able to get past it. Mm-hmm. It'll mm-hmm. just stay there forever. And the relationship just is destroyed. So that's why the healthiest thing, the most important thing for relationships is you have to have the ability to forgive the brother when they offend you. You have to give them a little bit of grace because they're not perfect. And by the way, you aren't either, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. you're going to need grace. And so that that's why when we live during the dispensation of grace and grace is the operative principle by which we interact with God, but also how we interact with others. Because if I'm under a performance system of your expectations, I'm just, I'm going to fail you. I'll tell you that right now. And I'm sorry that's the case, but it's just the reality of it. And, and that's why grace is so important to our lives and why we need to, to operate on that yeah. basis. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's what we can learn from Christ. Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard. We want, people say, well, I won't forget. I mean, I can forgive them, but I will never forget well, of course we won't. And, you know, but taking that point of forgiving and handing it over to God to handle it actually gives a person more peace than holding on to that and having a grudge or bitterness develop in, in your heart. So that takes you farther away from your relationship with God. And always remember, we represent Christ. We're in Christ and we represent Christ. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, forgiveness in the scriptures is sometimes described as forgiving a debt. And so what sometimes happens is, well, I'll forgive, but secretly I really want to collect it, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm, I, my eye's on you. And, you know, I'm not saying you should forget the past, but what, what I, although Paul does say forgetting those things which are behind, but, but, but as long as you're nurturing a grudge, you're harming yourself is the spiritual reality of it. Mm-hmm. If you want to be happy, forget the past. Yeah, there's not, not much good in it. Yeah. Yep, and uh, with that, we're going to go to break, um, and we'll be right back. I Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to the radio program, Why Paul? If you'd like to participate in today's program, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Mix at 14thStreetMinistries.com. Now, back to Why Paul? And as we... Um we're waiting to come back from break. I saw a little pop-up on our Facebook that says, um, on through Facebook, we've reached 963 people. Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yes. Good. Good. And Good. welcome back. I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I am your host, David Reed. All right. And we're, um, we're still here in Ephesians. Are we to 428 now? Yes. Yes. I'll go ahead and read that. Let him that steal, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that is needing. So there's a couple points that are mentioned in that verse. The first one is don't steal, which, of course, that's obviously good advice. Let him that stole steal no more. But then what it says is go beyond that. Labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So the idea there is don't steal, obviously labor, and by laboring you do what? You you gain the ability to support yourself. And then what the verse actually says is go beyond that. Labor enough that you then have the ability to give to him that needeth. So it's the complete opposite of stealing. When you steal, of course, you fail to support yourself and you take from others. And it's obviously unlawful and sinful and all of that. And what scripture would say is work to support yourself and then work enough so that you can actually give and help others that have needs. That's the, mm-hmm. the counsel of Ephesians 4, verse 28. Very good. First Timothy 5, verse 8. 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So what scripture says, what is the, what is the standard for what we should be doing? We need to provide for our own. Um, and so that's an obligation. And if we fail to perform that, it actually says that we've denied the faith. In, in other words, we've, we've, we've acted inconsistently with what Scripture tells us to do. And so we need to take those, that, that responsibility very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Let's do verse 29. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to, the use, to, uh, to, to use of edif- edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So Ephesians 4.29 is about our words, isn't it? It's about what comes out of our mouth. 
The most interesting cross-reference is in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So, evil communications, uh, you know, people used to say, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Is that a true statement? No. Word, <laughs> words, words hurt people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and evil communications, what do they do? They corrupt good manners. So do words matter? They, mm-hmm. they clearly do. To understand what verse 33 is talking about, look at verse 32 in 1 Corinthians 15. If after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus... Now, when Paul says he fought with beasts, he doesn't mean he was wrestling tigers and bears. He, when he's wrestling with beasts at Ephesus, he's wrestling with men that are behaving like beasts. And you can tell that because if you read in the book of Acts, what happens when he's at Ephesus, he doesn't wrestle wild animals. He wrestles men that are behaving like beasts. That's what it's saying. If the, after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. That's fascinating because that's Paul's words, inspired by the Holy Spirit, preserved as the Word of God. And what it says is, listen, if if there's no resurrection, if there is no next life, then eat, drink, and be merry, right? Because there's Mm -hmm. nothing after this. You might as well enjoy the few moments you have here because there's nothing else. And, and that is a logically correct statement. In other words, if there was no next life, then eat, drink, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter what you do. Now, of course, we know there is a next life, mm-hmm. and there is a giving of account. Now, what's fascinating in 1 Corinthians 15.33, the following verse, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Here's what those verses are saying. Guess what happens if you tell people there is no judgment, there is no God, you will not answer for your actions, there is no next life. If you tell people that, what will they do? Well, they will live as described in 1 Corinthians 15, 32. They'll eat, drink, be merry, right? Right. Mm-hmm. A, a close corollary of that. What happens if you tell people that reincarnation is true? See, the problem with telling people reincarnation is true, well, first of all, it's a lie. But what it does is this. If you, re- if you live a bad life, you are reincarnated lower in the mm-hmm. worldly caste system. If you lead a good life, you're reincarnated higher. Well, if, if reincarnation is true, even if you mess up this life and come back at a lower class next time, you could still work your way back up, which means you don't have to get it right this time. It doesn't matter. Just enjoy yourself because Mm -hmm. you'll eventually get it right. Listen, that's devilish. That's evil. That's satanic. Because the truth of the matter is this. You need to resolve before you die where you will be for eternity. And scripture would tell you that today is the day of salvation. In other words, the, f- the very first moment you hear the gospel, what you should do if you're prudent is you should believe the gospel and be saved. What if you were getting on a ship 
that was very perilous, that had holes in it, would you say, you know what, I'll put my life jacket on in, you know, three or four days. No, no reason to rush it. I'll just wait and see if maybe I really need it. Maybe I don't. That's just dumb, right? Mm-hmm. The moment you are aware of a peril is when you should plan to avoid it, right? You shouldn't wait. You should do it right then. I'll give you one more example of evil communications corrupting good manners. What does evolution tell people? Evolution tells people, well, you're evolved from monkeys. You're evolved from animals. So really, all you are is you're an, you're, you're an ape that has less hair. You know, you talk more, you can read, you use tools a little bit better. But you're basically a, a, a bald monkey is what you are. Well, guess what people are going to live like if that's what you tell them? You, you, you can't expect people not to live like animals if you tell them that they're animals. They're going to follow that doctrine to its conclusion. That's an example of evil communications corrupting good manners. Because what you think influences the actions that you take. So back to Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's an instruction. Don't let false doctrine, don't let evil things proceed out of your mouth. Things like reincarnation, things like um, evolution, things like uh, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. It doesn't matter. We don't give a count. It's all good. Let's party. That's nonsense, friends. That's just total nonsense. That is corrupt communication. What we need to speak is that which is good to the use of edifying. Edifying is construction. It's building people up. Well, what builds people up? Words of sound doctrine, Bible teaching, Bible verses, things that minister to their spirit. And the verse ends with that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let me, let me just tell you this. Your, your words are powerful. You could, every mm-hmm. day, we have the ability to encourage people. We can tell them we're happy to see them. We can tell them about things God is doing. We can contribute positively to their lives, or can we contribute negatively? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you ever been around someone where you just knew when they opened their mouth it was going to be an unpleasant experience? Mm-hmm. We've, we've, all, we've all had that, right? Yes. At times, mm-hmm. we've all been that, right? We get grumpy, and you know, whatever we say is going to have a harsh tone to it going to have a negative spirit. So the, the, the point of all this in, in verse 29 is we need to be very careful about what comes out of our mouths, and we need to be ministering grace. We need to be speaking the truth in love, and we need to be speaking sound doctrine. Very good. That's good. Good. Let's do verse 30 then. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So, we're told to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, and there's the reason for that is he, he indwells us. He resides with us. It says there that we're sealed unto the day of redemption. Look with me at Ephesians 1, verse 13. Ephesians 1, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So when you believe the gospel, something fantastic happened. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit, and Ephesians 4.30 tells us how long. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. So from the very moment you believe the gospel, 
all the way to the rapture, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, just consider what a wonderful thing that is. Mm -hmm. Can anyone think of a person in the Old Testament, for example, that had the Holy Spirit, but then the Holy Spirit departed from them? Well, we know who that is, don't we? It's King Saul. And uh, you might want to read about that this week in 1 Samuel 16. Well, the Holy Spirit came upon King Saul, but King Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so the Holy Spirit departed from King Saul. That would really be disappointing, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you live under the Old Testament, that's what you faced. In other words, if your behavior was bad, the Holy Spirit might depart from you. Well, the truth during the dispensation of grace for us is amazing, which is the moment you believe the gospel, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You cannot lose it forever. Isn't that fantastic? Mm-hmm. That, that ought to be an incredible assurance in our life. What 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says is it says, quench not the Spirit. So let me just put it simply this way. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be with us from the moment we're saved all the way to the rapture. Now, think about this just for a minute from the Holy Spirit's perspective. So the Holy Spirit right now is residing in Dave Reed, and the Holy Spirit is saying, wow, Dave does so many stupid things, it drives me crazy. And I wish he wouldn't behave like this, right? In other words, I can't believe some of the things he says, and I can't believe the way he treats people, and the, you know, it's the whole thing's an embarrassment. Well, if it were the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would say, you know, look, I'm done with this. Um, you know, I'm getting out of here. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do that during the dispensation of grace. And what that means is that we have the capacity to grieve the Holy Spirit by our bad behavior. And that's why Scripture commands Mm -hmm. us not to do that. We need to live the way that we should. So let me uh, give a quick gospel presentation, then we can have any thoughts that anyone wants to share. Friends, the most important thing is this. Christ died for your sins. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by grace through faith. And so if you've never believed the gospel, you need to believe it. And you simply need to have faith in the shed blood of Christ, that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. The moment you trust the blood he shed for you, you're eternally saved. It's that simple, and and you should do that immediately. You shouldn't wait. So with that, I'm going to pause, and uh, some of you may have uh, things that you also want to share. So I'll just pause there. Well, in um, 1 Corinthians um, 8, verse uh, 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. And that power we get through the word, by studying Mm -hmm. the word, rightly dividing the word. Yes. To uh, renew us into that. And All not right. to keep it inside, but to pass it out. So. Yes. Yes. And that and that's what that's what we hope with all of our listeners. Um, as you're hearing, you're gonna spread that that word as well. Um, and spread that um, for everyone to, you know, listen to it, follow the past um, programs that you can listen to over and over um, to help spread that. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone, this week, and we look forward to next week. Um, I believe we'll be going to Ephesians 5. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks See everybody so. next week. Thank you. All right. Take care. God bless. Now I'm walking away, walking away.
been listening to Why Paul? Visit us on the web at 14thStreetMinistries.com. And please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program. Yeah.